Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Alrighty then. Welcome back to Banging the Can, the Houston sports show that does not apologize for championship rings and tings presented by Bolin Media. I am your host, Ross Bolin, and I'm here today to help you get through as many of the stages of grief as I can. Personally, I think I'm on acceptance already. Being a big fan of a sports team, particularly baseball, it's going to teach you some hard life lessons, like the fact that life isn't always sunshine and rainbows, no matter how good you have it. There are going to be hard times, disappointing moments, even heartbreak. And the truth is that the better your team is, the more likely it is that heartbreak will occur because there is only one champion every season. One team and their fan base gets to feel really great during the offseason. That's it. One. There's no way around it, okay? You can't win them all. Nobody does. When you have a franchise that's on a run like our Astros have been the last seven years, you're going to experience some massive letdowns. There is no way around those letdowns. They are going to happen. We have experienced a few of them at this point as Astros fans during this seven-year run. That is the price you pay for greatness, frankly. That is the price you pay. And perhaps more than with any other sport, baseball, probably the hardest sport to be a hardcore fan of because there are so many games. You get so emotionally invested and you get to know so many different players and there are so many people contributing. And all it takes is a cold streak at the wrong time or a hot streak by the opposition at the wrong time and you are cooked until next season, which is obviously where we find ourselves this Tuesday, October 24th, the year of our Lord, 2023. The Astros got absolutely spanked by the Rangers at home in Game 7 of the ALCS, becoming the second team in postseason history to lose four games at home in one series. The other... The 2019 Astros. And I believe on top of that, this was the first seven-game series in sporting history where the home team never won a game. So including NHL, NBA, and MLB. Don't think that has ever happened before. Correct me if I'm wrong. So let's talk about what went wrong in Game 7 specifically before moving on to evaluating the season on the whole and trying to find some positivity to harness so that we're not all miserable for too long. Okay, first of all, you obviously need your starting pitcher in a Game 7 deciding game to try to get to your third World Series in as many years. You need your starting pitcher to probably go more than one out. More than one-third of one inning. I think that we would have all preferred that 
go differently. Christian Javier, I don't know what happened. Look, he he had a weird season. Christian Javier was not what we expected during the regular season. And then in the postseason, it looked like he was back to his old postseason ways, where he has been, through his first four starts in the postseason, one of the best postseason pitchers in baseball. I think he had given up like two hits in four starts. He gave up five, I think, in one-third of an inning last night. And I don't know if it's just that they were seeing his shit well or they had a great game plan for how to handle his fastball, which seemed to be the case. Christian Javier, for one reason or another, did not have his stuff, did not have enough, did not get it done, and that was clearly devastating to the way the rest of the game unfolded. you got to have your starting pitcher provide more than what he did last night if you want a chance to win a Game 7 against a really good team. And that's what the Rangers are. That's one thing to accept at this point. And really that you should have accepted about the All-Star break point in the season. When it became clear that it wasn't just that the, the Rangers started hot this year. That they were legitimate offensive juggernaut. That became clear around the All-Star break. And then there was a point in the back half of the season where they slumped hard, giving us the opportunity to sneak in and still win the division. And that was pretty misleading for a number of reasons. It made their bullpen, I think, look a little bit weaker than they actually are. And it made us all forget just how good they are offensively when they led the American League in scoring the majority of the season. So you got to have your starting pitcher come out and do better than one-third of an inning, especially against a great offensive team, because it puts your pitching rotation and your bullpen in a terrible position to try to hold down the fort so that you can come back from that early deficit. And speaking of coming back from that early deficit, we had way too many situations where we left runners in scoring position. Just at one point, we were one for nine with runners in scoring position. That's not going to get it done. Especially when you're playing from behind. That's not going to get it done. And there were just not enough guys stepping up and driving in runs and moving runners around the base path. That was not a thing we had going on. We had opportunities. Max Scherzer in particular gave us enough chances to stay in that game early. Not that it would have mattered seeing as how they crushed every single pitcher we threw out there. But we had the chances early and did not capitalize, which is obviously going to be a huge point of regret for the Astros, the players, and the organization this offseason. Runners in scoring position, you can't strand them. You can't strand them, not if you want to make it to the World Series, certainly not if you want to win the World Series. That's a lesson we have learned time and again over the last seven years and one that proved true again last night. Too many runners left in scoring position. Uh, the Rangers and Bruce Bochy bringing in Jordan, Mon- Jordan Montgomery to relieve Max Scherzer was a moment that I went, oh my God. I got up, went to my refrigerator, came back, sat down. I was stress eating deli meat like Tony Soprano. Sat down, looked up, Jordan Montgomery's on the mound, and I went, oh shit. I didn't realize he was even available. And he was nails against the Astros this postseason. Jordan Montgomery is legit. He's much more legit than Max Scherzer at this point in in Scherzer's career. And he's very good against the Astros, Jordan Montgomery. That was devastating. Them bringing Jordan Montgomery in 
after getting as much as they could out of Scherzer. That was a great, great move by Bruce Bochy. It's one of the spots where I think he outmanaged Dusty Baker in this game and really in the series on the whole. To have Jordan Montgomery available for Game 7 was devastating to the Astros' chances to try to get back in that game and to try to win a Game 7 where they were up against it. So... Speaking of Dusty Baker and Bruce Bochy, Bruce Bochy has never lost a Game 7 in the postseason. Never. And he's been in a few of them. Dusty Baker has never won a Game 7 in the postseason. When I saw that stat before the game, you saw a lot of stats before the game. Some that made it feel like the Rangers' win was inevitable. Some that made it feel like the Astros had a real shot. But when I saw this one, Dusty being over in Game 7s, and Bruce Bochy having never lost one, I was like, oh, fuck me. That's not good. Because it's just a sign of managerial fortitude. The ability to push through the toughest, back-against-the-wall, must-win situations. And really, the hiring of Bruce Bochy, getting him to come out of retirement, very similarly to the way the Astros did with Dusty Baker, was a great move by the Rangers. Clearly one that panned out. He's a great manager. He really is. And at this point in the American League, if you want to win, you're chasing and trying to match and beat the Astros. That's the way it's been for seven years. And when the Rangers hired Bruce Bochy, they put themselves in a position to have at least matched us on the managerial side of things. And with the way things looked after last night, it seems like they had a one-up in terms of managerial expertise and just handling the biggest moment and getting, his, getting your team in a position to win and being ready to win. Bruce Bochy did a great job. You've got to tip your cap. I'm not going to tip my cap to the Rangers in general because that doesn't feel like a thing that I, they've like necessarily earned yet. But I will tip my cap to Bruce Bochy. He did a great job in this series. A great job. And this series was a mess from the start. It was probably never as close as it felt after we won those three games in Arlington. Them beating us the first two games on the road in Minute Maid Park us losing those first two games at home was a terrible tone setter. That was awful. And it put them in a position where they could lose all three games at their home park and still come in and beat us the other two in Houston and be just fine and move on. You cannot drop the first two games at home and win a seven-game series. It has literally never been done. We put ourselves up against it mathematically from the get-go, and that was devastating long-term. The deeper the series went, the more it felt like we were always in it. By the time it was all said and done, the more it looks like that was a lie. Because the Rangers were the better team this year. Don't get it twisted. The Rangers had a better team this year. The Rangers performed more consistently when it counted this season. They earned this win. I'm not saying they didn't when I say I won't tip my cap. I'm just still pissed off. So I'm not willing to give them as much credit as they probably deserve at this point. But they did deserve this series. They had a great season and they were the better team. But this series was a mess from the get-go. was never going the way we wanted it to. And even as we won those three games in Arlington, you just felt like the, the second that third, that game five was over, and I realized like, well, shit, we still have to win one at home. And then I'm trying to convince myself, like, surely this won't be like 2019 all over again, where we literally can't get it done at home. And yet it was. And yet it was. So, 
Yeah, Rangers had the best offense in the American League, man. You, you, you can't deny that. And they got it rolling again at the right time back in Houston, and they spanked the Strohs. We suck ass at home. And I don't really know what that's about. The excuses don't fly because, like, the batter's eye thing, why the hell are the Rangers able to put up 11 runs in our stadium if there's something wrong with the batter's eye? I don't think it's the batter's eye. It's some kind of attitude focus thing. That's the only explanation. The guys are just better at getting focused and getting amped up and getting ready to go on the road. And as I said earlier in the season on this show, I think that's partially the result of having so much animosity and booing thrown their way on the road over the last seven years. They've just gotten accustomed to being able to bring their best stuff on the road. And then at home, it's more relaxed and they're just not quite the same team. There were some Dusty Baker brain busters that took place during this Game 7, which was probably, at this point in time, as I am recording this, all signs point to Dusty Baker retiring and that being his last game as the Houston Astros manager during what was a great, great run, a great several-year run. Dusty Baker did a lot for this franchise. We owe him our thanks for a number of reasons. Was it frustrating at times, this season in particular? Absolutely. There's no denying that. Do I think that is all Dusty Baker's fault? Absolutely not. There were a lot of unfortunate things that, again, we touched on all season long on this show that led to him being in a pretty tough position as a manager. I love Dusty. He's a great guy. Where I sit right now, I'm also ready to move on. I'm ready to move forward. I think it's going to take something different, bringing in a different energy and a different approach to get over what is currently plaguing this club, which is that they seem to have issues playing and getting up for games at home. That cannot be a problem if you want to win a World Series, which is the goal of every team in Major League Baseball every single year. The Astros just happen to be in a unique position, and they will be again next season, I would add, where that's a realistic possibility. But with what Dusty brought to the table this season, I think it's time to go another direction. And I think he's ready to go another direction. I don't know if this decision will be one that's made like mutually, or if it'll be him saying, look, I'm... I'm sailing off into the sunset, I got my ring, now I've achieved everything I can in baseball, which he has, or if it'll be Jim Crane saying, sorry, we don't want you back, I don't know, but I believe this will have been Dusty's last game, and it was a tough one, it was a tough one, that kind of encapsulated a lot of the frustrations we felt as fans during this 2023 Houston Astros season. Obviously, things went horribly wrong with Christian Javier, so you bring in Phil Maton. Phil looks sharp. He gets through one inning totally unscathed after coming in to fix up the the first or whatever. And then you take him out immediately? It just felt like Hunter Brown got brought in a little too quickly, like Phil had probably another three outs at a minimum in him, and that we were sort of hitting the panic button there by using Phil as quickly as we did and then moving on to Hunter Brown. And then... Hunter Brown gave up a dinger, sure, but also it felt like we moved on from Hunter Brown a little too quickly. I just didn't necessarily understand why the pitching staff was utilized the way they were in Game 7. That was confusing to me. Because Javier doesn't have it, he gets shelled, it's a disaster, fine, that shit happens. But you bring in the next guy and the next guy looks good. And then you move on, and then you bring in the next guy, and that guy looks good, and then you move on. It just felt like we were abandoning pitchers too quickly in those first five innings. So Hunter Brown comes in. 
Again, gave up that bomb. He usually he's much like Verlander. He is he has a tendency to give up a bomb. But other than that, he seemed to generally be holding it down. But they move on from him and bring in JP France, who out of all of these guys is the least experienced at this point. JP France was a rookie this season. Great regular season, tough spot for him being brought in, and then letting JP France pitch to Adolis Garcia with an open base in the top of the fourth when we were already down 6-2 with one out, runners on second and third, was mind-boggling to me. There was no hotter hitter in baseball over the past week. In either series, National League, American League, this is the guy who is having a breakout moment like no one else, Garcia, and you knew... What he was going to do the second he stepped into the box, there's an open base for you to put him on with one out, which just to cover all of our bases here, you put him on first, now there's a force out at every base, you've got a better chance to turn two. You let him swing, he's knocking runners in, and you're even more fucked than you were before. So I don't understand what the decision making was there, that was another one of the places that I was left scratching my head. Letting J.P. France pitch to Adolis Garcia with an open base. We're already down four runs. There is one out. There's a guy on second and third. What the fuck are you doing? Throwing him something to hit. Didn't understand that at all. Seemed like a lack of situational awareness by somebody. And I mean, the only people I can blame are Dusty Baker, Martin Maldonado, and J.P. France. But the, the, the main decision maker in that group is Dusty Baker. So you got to point at him and go, what the hell was that? And then leaving Maldonado in to bat with two runners on in the fourth when we are down six. I, 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 get, I get it. I get it. I am, we've, all, we've gone over this ad nauseum. Why Maldonado is so valuable. But as I've said, and as I said after Framber Valdez's start, when we went down 0-2 in this series, when your starting pitching isn't locked in, it doesn't matter how good of a game caller your catcher is. And it hurts twice as much that he can't hit the ball for shit. I love Martin Maldonado. I'll always be thankful for what he did for our club during this run. But like Dusty Baker, I think it's time to move on. I think we're all ready to be out of that era and into the Diaz era. I just can't do another season where we're talking about how Yanni or Diaz is the future. How if he had really played the entire regular season, it's likely he would have been rookie of the year. He was incredible. I can't do that again next year. I can't do it again. We have to have a definitive decision made about who the catcher is. And if you're watching the Astros at this point, it's pretty obvious we need more offense. Look at what the Rangers did. Very unsteady pitching. Not the best. They wouldn't tell you otherwise. But if they're just outscoring everyone, which is what they did all season long, just offensively overpowering everyone they played, you're going to win a lot of games that way. And when you have an automatic out in the nine hole in Martin Maldonado, it's brutal. It's brutal. It's such a momentum killer. And there were too many times like this where he came up in a huge spot. How many times did he come up this postseason with the bases loaded? It was unbelievable. It kept happening over and over. And yes, he came through one of them. But there were too many times you're like, oh my God, just mathematically we're putting ourselves in a terrible position here. You've got Diaz right there. 
He comes in later in the game anyway. Too little, too late. Why wouldn't you just sub him in? You got two guys on, a chance to score. Runners in scoring position. You're down four already. Six to two with one out. And you leave Maldonado in in the fourth with two guys on. It just, it was, that was a brutal decision. It was a brutal decision. And that's just a short, quick list of the things that went majorly wrong in this game, right? In what was, again, probably Dusty Baker's final game managing the Houston Astros. And it's a shame that we have to go out on such a low note where there were so many questionable decisions made, so many things you wonder what would have happened if we had done something a little bit differently. That's baseball. That's life. We all have to make peace with it. But those were my list of Dusty Baker brain busters for uh, Game 7 of this ALCS in 2023. Now, what went wrong on the season in the season on the whole? Obviously not enough reliable starting pitching. All right? I don't think any, anybody in the world expected Christian Javier to be as hittable as he was in Game 7. But if you watched him all season long, you didn't feel great. Because he was unreliable. He was one of the guys that was... It's tough to predict what you were going to get. Framber Valdez, who was our ace in 2022. Who was untouchable in our last World Series winning run last season. Framber Valdez was all over the place this year. Very inconsistent. That's two of your top three guys right there. And really, it's your top two guys if you don't bring in Justin Verlander at the trade deadline, which we did. Fortunately, Verlander played very well. Unfortunately, it didn't really pan out one way or the other. He only gave up two runs in game one. We still lost. you got to have more consistency in your starting pitching. you got to have the guys that are expected to perform at a very high level, performing at that high level, especially in the postseason, if you really want a chance to win a seven-game series against a good team. Framber not having his stuff was brutal. We're going to have to figure out, they're going to have to figure out what's going on with him in the offseason and get him back up to his best self. Because Framber Valdez didn't have it this year. Not the way we needed him to. Christian Javier didn't have it this year. Not the way we needed him to. Luis Garcia knocked out for the season with an injury. Brutal. Devastating to the rotation. Lance McCullers Jr., unable to participate in the season. Devastating to the rotation. Jose Urquidy misses the bulk of the regular season. Devastating to the, reg- to the rotation. We had a lot of issues with starting pitching this year, way more than anyone expected, and it was probably the number one bullet point on things that went wrong for the Astros in 2023, all things considered. The more surprising thing to me, I mean, that was bad luck. The more surprising thing was that we are absolute dog shit in Minute Maid Park. And it may be legitimately cursed. Between what happened this year and what happened in 2019 in the World Series, I'm starting to look at home as a place that I don't really want to be. We really should at least partially consider demolishing the stadium during the offseason and building a new one because it feels like this one is broken. I don't, again... I don't know what it is, but it's something they have got to address this offseason. And I mean, being serious, we're not going to demolish the stadium. Some type of renovation might be in order, though. Just changing it up for the sake of the vibes, getting new juju in there, do something. And then, obviously, talking to the team about their approach when they're playing at home. Because they are so much better when they hit first, when they play on the road and they hit first. 
There's something going on with their inability to lock in and get focused on the same level when they play at home, and that has got to be solved before next year. Because while the window is still open, and that is obvious, and I'll get more to that later, it's not going to be open for much longer if we can't win at home. And that is an undeniable fact. Also, Ted Cruz may be a legitimate omen as well. He might be a big part of the Minute Maid Park issue. I, you got to get this guy out of there. You got to get this guy out of there. He's the worst. He sucks. This isn't even a political thing. It's a sports thing. He is simply bad luck. He brings terrible vibes, and he talks about, uh, uh, you know, well, I'll just, I'll be happy no matter what team wins, and now he's rooting for the Rangers in the World Series. Go Rangers, he said on Twitter. That is not how sports work, Ted. You're a goofy, casual doofus. Rolling Stone ran a piece about how uh, everybody begged him to stay home, but he was going to go to Game 7 anyway. And he came over the top saying, oh, that's bullshit. Me and my wife have been going to games consistently since 2017. Oh, how convenient. You started going right after he won the World Series, you fucking bandwagon douchebag. That dude stinks. He shouldn't be allowed in the stadium. He's bringing terrible, terrible luck. And he's an omen. He's an omen. He's a Ted Cruz omen. This, this series was a question of which is going to be more powerful, the Creed curse, which caused the Rangers to lose all three games at home in Arlington, or the Cruz curse, which caused us to lose all four games at home in Minute Maid Park. And guess which one won out? Ted Cruz is a more powerful omen than a 1990s fucking post-grunge alt-rock band. No disrespect to Creed. I love me some Creed. This was devastating to my Creed fandom. If I have to hear higher playing during one more go-to-commercial break, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Got to be healthy rolling into next year. That goes without saying. Again, injuries during the regular season made it feel like this team never really found all of their moving parts in one place together. Like, we, we, how many different lineups did we have this year batting-wise? How many different days did we wonder, like, oh, who the hell is going to pitch? Like, there, it was just, the injuries were brutal, man. Going into the season with Jose Altuve out because he broke his thumb in the World Baseball Classic sucked for tone setting. It sucked. He's the leader of the team. He bats first. Mar- uh, Mauricio Dubon did a fantastic job filling in, but it's still not the same. You got to have that guy healthy. Jordan Alvarez missed big bunches of time this year, like 75 games. That that, that can't happen. He is the guy at this point. Jose Altuve might still be the face of the franchise, but Jordan Alvarez is, without argument, the most dangerous offensive player on the team and one of the most dangerous offensive players in the league. And I'll say it again later in this episode, but nobody did their job more consistently and at a higher level in the postseason than Jordan Alvarez. He did everything he possibly could. He went on one of the great postseason hitting runs in the history of the sport. He just happened to get countered by Adolis Garcia, who was even hotter, and he had more help with his team. Jordan did not get a lot of help. He came up to bat way too many times with nobody on base. It was brutal. And then again, I think some of us forget how good Luis Garcia was. Getting him healthy coming into next year would be enormous. Enormous for the pitching rotation. Got to be healthy in 2024. That's one of the things you got to hope for if you're an Astros fan, because this year, health 
was a massive, massive problem, way bigger than any of us could have anticipated. And sometimes it happens in sports. And if you don't do enough to rebound and counteract the health issues, then you end up where we are now, which is on the couch, having to watch the World Series because your team is not in it. Today's episode is brought to you by MyBookie. If you're looking for a sports book or want to switch to a sports book that supports your favorite Houston sports podcast, MyBookie has everything you need from the World Series, from Game 7 of the NLCS to college football and the NFL. NBA season starts today. Golf, hockey. If there's a sporting event you're looking to get action on, MyBookie has you covered. Just go to MyBookie.ag, sign up for a free account, and when you're ready to deposit, use code ROSS to make your first deposit, and you'll unlock a welcome bonus. Stipulations apply. As a better, you demand perfection, and MyBookie delivers NFL, college football, and a brand new cash-out system, giving you options to bet and win all season long. If the first two legs of your parlay hit, you've got options. You can cash out early and use the funds on another bet or let it ride for a chance at a bigger payday. Join the MyBookie family for an entire season filled with odds, boosts, free bets, and super contests. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag now. Register for an account for free and when you're ready to make your first deposit, just use code ROSS to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code ROSS to claim your deposit bonus. So what are you waiting for if you're already betting on sports elsewhere and you're down to do so on a great platform that also supports your favorite Houston sports podcast, Code Ross, mybookie.ag, Code Ross, mybookie.ag, unlock that deposit bonus, bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Now, there are some people who definitely earned their paycheck this season. Number one is Jordan Alvarez. Even with all the injuries, even with all the health issues, that guy is unbelievable. The extension we signed him to last offseason looks better and better and better with every swing of the bat. Jordan Alvarez is a god. He is the guy you've got to build around for the foreseeable future. He is incredible. He did everything he could. Jordan Alvarez deserves a ton of credit for no matter what else is going on around him, you know you can count on that guy. Jose Altuve also earned his paycheck. There were some rough moments here and there, some weird base running decisions, a weird bunting decision at one point that was left me scratching my head. But all in all, Jose Altuve is still Jose Altuve, one of the great performers in the history of sports, in the history of the baseball postseason. He's unbelievable. You got to give your flowers to Jose Altuve yet again. Alex Bregman, big improvement. Last year, sketchy one for Breggy. This year, he was very reliable unbelievably good at third base. Defensively, you can't ask for much more than what Alex Bregman Bregman brings to the table at third base. He did a great job batting this, not as high of a batting average as you would like maybe, but his on-base percentage, the ability to draw walks, the way he sees the ball in and out of the strike zone, almost unparalleled. He's great. Breggy did a great job this season. He showed up big in the playoffs as well. He's not one of the guys that you had to look at and go, what the fuck, man? And then there's Jose Abreu, rough regular season, getting fried pretty much from the first game through the All-Star break, nonstop by the entire Astros fan base. People are going at Jeff Bagwell saying he was a terrible, you know, uh, semi-interim GM after we fired James Click. Jose Abreu showed up enormously in the postseason. He was reliable through both series, ALDS, ALCS, Jose Abreu was never a guy you had to point at and go, what the fuck? He was really good. There were a couple of spots where he could have come up even bigger. But all in all, Jose Abreu did a great job. He answered the bell. He earned his paycheck. And he made Jeff Bagwell look really good with how well he played in the postseason. 
Seemed like he had some issues with health. Had some back problems earlier in the season that we didn't hear about. And that was affecting him in his swing. He found his swing. He got his shit together. He was great in the postseason. Between those four guys, you can't really have asked for more. They all earned their paycheck. Then there are some guys. Also, Ryan Presley. You can put him on the list of guys who earned their paycheck. Another great postseason. Another solid, reliable, regular season. Ryan Presley, still America's closer. Did a phenomenal job. Glad we have him back next year as well. Guys who need to be better at the top of the list, can you guess who it is? Nobody would have guessed before the postseason started that this man would be the first person I say has got to be better. Kyle Tucker. If nobody got me, Kyle Tucker got me, right? Not this postseason. Fell asleep at the worst possible time. A couple defensive miscues, a couple of home runs that... I'm not saying he should have robbed, but he could have robbed. We're a big problem for the Astros' chances at winning. But even more shockingly, I don't know if he had an RBI. Incredibly ineffective at the plate. Did not seem to be seeing the ball well. Don't know what's going on with Kyle Tucker. Shocked at how poorly he played in the postseason you got to have that guy or one of these other guys I'm about to name show up with a bat, ready to hit, if you're going to win. Jeremy Pena is another one. Big regression from his rookie year where he won ALCS and World Series MVP into a very forgettable 2023 for Jeremy Pena. He was not what we expected or what we wanted, particularly in the postseason, to the point that he is getting pinch hit for two games in a row. If you had told me that was going to happen in the offseason after 2022, next year in the ALCS, Jeremy Pena won't be trusted to hit. Oh, I wouldn't have believed you. I would have spit on you. I would have called you a blasphemer. But no, Pena had a tough season. Wasn't where he needed to be. And if Kyle Tucker and Jeremy Pena are both struggling the way that they are, the Astros offense is going to struggle. There's too many holes. That's two guys. You put in another one in Martin Maldonado as an automatic out. Jose Abreu struggling much of the regular season. Suddenly you've got a bunch of holes in your lineup. Put your offense in a tough position to recover from. And they could not find a spot for either of those dudes, Kyle Tucker or Jeremy Pena, in the lineup where it wasn't screwing us in the postseason. And it was tough to watch. Guys who've got to be better, you obviously got to put Framber Valdez on this list. Look, Framber's had issues with the mental side of the game for years. And it looked like over the past couple seasons, he got that all sorted out and that we had moved past it. And this year, it all came unraveling. It just did not work out. And whatever it is that he's got going on on the mental side of the game has to be fixed in the offseason. He has got to be better. He has got to be better. You've got to have a couple of dudes who you know give you a chance to win baseball games on the mound. This year, we had one after the trade deadline in Justin Verlander, and that's just because we went and got him using up two prospects to bring him back, getting lucky that the Mets were in sell mode. That can't be the case. Framber's got to be better. Rafael Montero signed the big contract, ups and downs regular season. Altogether, though, not good enough. Got to be better. Got to earn that money. Cannot be the dude that when you're coming, every single time you come out, we're groaning, knowing you're probably going to get shelled. And he seemed to find his footing at different times, even once in the postseason in the ALDS. But like, he wasn't good last night. He wasn't good in Game 7. He wasn't good enough 
for what he got paid. And he, he is the signing out of the two, really, between Abreu and Montero. Which one ended up looking worse for Jeff Bagwell? It's, the answer is Rafi Montero. Got to be better. Hunter Brown, got to be better. Failed to take the next step this year. He looked almost exactly the same as he did in 2022. They start bringing him in in relief situations in the postseason. That lets you know how inconsistent he was as a starter and how unreliable he was as a starter. And he did okay. He's got to take the next step. We went from talking about how he was the next Justin Verlander to not even bringing that up anymore. And we brought Justin Verlander back to the team. Still nobody said it because we had seen enough Hunter Brown already in 2023. He didn't take a step forward. He stayed in pretty much the exact same spot. You got to see some growth out of him. If you want to be great again, these guys I'm naming right now give you the opportunity if they can take the next step. Kyle Tucker, you got to be better more consistently. Jeremy Pena, you've got to find your game again. Framber Valdez, what the fuck? Rafael Montero, Hunter Brown, Christian Javier is the last one I'll name. If you get all of those guys back to where they were in 2022, you've got a chance again to win in 2024. That's the truth. But if all of those guys struggle the way that they did in 2023, you're still going to be in a pretty tough spot. That's four pitchers whose names I just listed off. Between Framber, Rafael Montero, Hunter Brown, and Christian Javier. You cannot have all of them being big question marks. And then it's two of your biggest offensive pieces, Kyle Tucker and Jeremy Pena, who both had good seasons on the defensive side of the ball still, albeit Kyle Tucker fell the fuck apart in the postseason, gold glove nominee. They got to be better with the bat. Those are some of the biggest spots that we got to look to see improvement next season. So what can we expect from the Astros moving forward? Look, the window is 100% still open. Anyone that tells you otherwise is a hater. There are not that many guys that are free agents in 2024, and I'll get to the list in a moment. But you're pretty much getting the team back. The, The core of the team is coming back. So you've got another chance. This was a miserable season, 2023. Nothing seemed to go right. It was frustrating for one reason or another pretty much the entire regular season. We were terrible at home. We couldn't find our footing on either side of the ball. There was too much inconsistency, not enough lineup consistency, not enough confidence built as a result. And the truth is, you have to win another ring in this era. More than one would be nice, but you have to get one more in the Jose Altuve era here. Now, you still have enough talent. The ALCS, seven consecutive seasons. You won the division again, fell ass backwards into that division win. None of it matters, though, if you get knocked out by the Texas Rangers in the ALCS because you failed to win a single home game. So obviously improvements have to be made. Obviously you got to hope for better luck in 2024 as far as health goes. And some other things. Because you've got to win another ring in this area, and that is the expectation. That is the expectation if you're an Astros fan. That they come back out next year and they're able to get back to at least where they did this season. And hopefully some of the things that went horribly wrong this year won't go that way next year winning a single home game in an ALCS seven-game series would be nice. Dana Brown is our GM now. They fired James Click after the World Series win in 2022. 
awkward interim period where Jeff Bagwell seems like he's kind of running, kind of running the show, and some maybe questionable decisions get made. One of which pans out in the postseason as Jose Abreu finds his bat. They end up hiring Dana Brown, who has an impeccable track record, who should be the guy to make sure we take this shit to the next level for 2024. And there's no reason any of us shouldn't be confident that he can get that done, especially if Jim Crane opens up the pocketbook a little bit and lets Dana Brown do some things. Because there are some things to be done. But Dana Brown should have your expectations moving forward in a pretty positive place. And then getting Luis Garcia back, getting Lance McCullers Jr. back, those two guys should have you feeling a little bit better next season as well. We cannot have all these unfortunate circumstances at once if you want to win a World Series. It's just, and again, you can't even pin this all on one person because it was so much bad luck. It was just a shitty season. It was, without argument, the shittiest season in the seven-year run. Regular and post. Wasn't good. Getting by the Twins, eh. You finally won a game at home, I guess. Losing the first two to the Rangers in the ALCS, oof. Rough regular season. Rough postseason. Rough season all around, with a lot of positives to look forward to. And there's some other good news as well for Houston sports fans. One, the Texans are no longer an embarrassment. And that's huge. Because one of the issues with baseball, when like this past couple years, well, not last year because we won the whole thing, but 2021, say, when we lost the World Series, it's a low point. And then you're left watching the Texans and the Rockets, both worst in their leagues. That was brutal for morale. And I'm already getting a little hype thinking about how the Texans have a chance to go 4-3. and three. We play the 0-6 Carolina Panthers in Carolina on Sunday at noon with a chance to improve to 4-3. and three. We're currently favored, minus 3 on the road. I cannot remember the last time that that happened. C.J. Stroud is that dude. Through six games, he's done everything you could have possibly asked for. To the point that the haters are already coming out. People are like, oh yeah, but once the other, once the NFL defenses figure out his, uh, his playbook, he'll be screwed. Like, okay, what? Who the fuck? Who could possibly say that already? Who knows what's going to happen? But he's looked phenomenal so far. Like, you could not ask for a better start for a rookie quarterback. Drafted number two in the NFL draft, C.J. Stroud has been awesome. He gives us a lot to look forward to, and so does D'Amico Ryans, who is seemingly steering the ship extremely well through six games of his first season as head coach. So there's a lot to look forward to with the Texans. That is big for us. We don't just have to wallow in misery. We can move on to something that has some positivity to it in the Texans. That is nice. Also, the Rockets are totally retooled and set for takeoff. Tons of new players to get to know this season for Rockets fans. Regular season starts tomorrow, so Astros get knocked out. It's brutal. We're going to have a day of mourning, no doubt. But basketball season starts tomorrow, and it's time for me to switch out one hat for the other. It is no longer Astros season. It is Rockets and Texans season. Now, I don't have very high expectations for the Rockets this year because I don't know what to make of this team yet. I'm going to need to see them in action in the regular season. The preseason can be extremely misleading. They did really well in the preseason. They lost one game, I think. But there's a lot to look forward to with both of our other teams, the Rockets and the Texans. Both of our other big three teams, as I call them, between MLB, NBA, and NFL. So 
That's great. And then the other good news is, look, again, just to reiterate, the Astros should be back next season if Dana Brown does his job. Here are the free agents in 2024 for the Houston Astros. Martin Maldonado, like I said, thank you for your service. Maldi, legendary catcher. Probably, it's time. It's time. Probably time to move forward. You got to give Diaz his shot. You got you to gotta give your offense a chance. How many times did Martin come up to bat with runners on base where you just went, fuck? Because you knew. And yes, on occasion, yes, he made the improbable happen. Big swing in game three, I think it was, or game four. One of those games we won in Arlington. But all in all, you can't put yourself up against it like that. It's just too brutal. Have him, have him, have, hire him as a coach, catcher's coach. Have him teach Diaz everything he knows. I, I just don't think you can re-sign him as your starting catcher. I guess you could sign him as your backup so he can keep teaching Diaz. But I think Diaz has got to be your everyday starter next season. Martin Maldonado, first free agent to address. Michael Brantley. Man, Uncle Mike looked impatient in the playoffs. Look, he was unhealthy all season. I, I don't know if they're going to take a flyer on him staying healthy again. Another Houston legend. Professional hitter, Uncle Mike. A professional hitter who did not look like he had his professional poise this postseason. Too many first pitch ground outs. He just didn't have the patience I normally expect from him. I don't, I don't know if they'll bring Michael Brantley back. I, I'm sure there is a compelling argument to be made. But with the way things went this year, with him being unavailable through the large majority of the regular season, and then him seeming to struggle a little bit in the postseason as a result, that's a tough decision. Here's a guy I think you have to bring back, Phil Maton. I think you got to do it. The way the pitching rotation looked this year, you need Phil Maton. He can eat innings in the middle. He was sharp again. He didn't punch any lockers and break his hand after giving up a hit to his brother or whatever the fuck happened last year. You got to bring Phil back, I think. Then there's Ryan Stanek. This is a coin flip for me. A maybe. I love Stanek. But I don't know. It depends on who. Uh, what are the other options. That would be my question, and I trust Dana Brown to make that decision, but there's also Hector Neris because he's going to decline his player option. I think you got to bring him back, too. If you're having to pick two of the three, easy. Neris and, and Maton. you got to let Stanek go, right? I think that's an easy decision. We'll see what Dana Brown does, but those are your five free agents. Just five. Martin Maldonado, Michael Brantley, Phil Maton, Ryan Stanek, Hector Neris. So no matter what, you're going to be looking at a very similar team next year. There are some decisions to be made. But again, anybody who tells you the window is closed is a hater. This run of seven consecutive ALCS appearances is one of the great runs in the history of professional sports. Certainly in my lifetime. Four World Series appearances in seven years. You came one game for making it five World Series appearances in seven years and three in a row. Two World Series wins. We are blessed and fortunate to be Astros fans. 
There is a reason we get as much hate as we do, and it's not just the 2017 controversy. It's the repeated high level of success that this team experiences every single year for seven straight years now. You got to bundle up that positivity, stick it in your backpack, and be ready for 2024. And you got to know that Jim Crane has been a great owner. He makes good decisions. He can be shrewd at times. Firing James Click after winning the World Series. Firing your GM after winning the World Series is still, inarguably, a wild move. He can be shrewd, but that's also what makes him so good at his job. He brought in a great replacement. We've got a good GM. We've got a good owner. We've got a good core for our team still. Not losing a lot of guys. You have to pray the health is better next year. You have to pray that things go better at home. Maybe retool something in the fucking outfield or whatever. I don't, it's not an excuse. It's just clearly something has to be done so that we have a different approach at home next season. All in all, this season was a massive success once again. It's hard to hear today. It's hard to accept this fact today. The day after you get knocked out by a hated rival. Because look, let's be real. You lose the ALCS after this season with the way things went where there was a point two weeks out from the fucking postseason where we didn't even think we'd be in it to getting knocked out of the ALCS. You would call that a success if it wasn't the Rangers who took us out because there was so much vitriol between these two fan bases. I respect their team, but the rivalry between Astros and Rangers fans, especially online, it's a tough one to deal with. And you think they've enjoyed the last seven years sitting back watching us go to the ALCS over and over and over and dominate the division over and over and over and over. This was a big win for them. They're going to talk their shit. They were patient and they waited and now they're here and they're going to talk their shit. And again, I want, I want to give some props to their GM, Chris Young, their ownership and the way they handled this season because they saw, they identified the fact that they had a chance to push here and they went all in. And then when they went all in and things didn't go well, lost a couple of guys, like Scherzer went down, DeGrom went down, it looked like, what the fuck? They went and got Jordan Montgomery. They did what they had to do to make sure that their chance here was appreciated and executed on it. And that's what the Astros have to do next season. It's what they've done every year, though, for seven years. There's no reason for me to believe that they won't do it again. And I know it hurts right now the day after you lose Game 7 to the Rangers at home, especially the way that we did, getting clubbed. But this was another extremely successful Astros season. And you should still be an extremely proud Astros fan. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Because those people are either unrealistic, not really paying attention, not real fans, probably casuals, or they're just haters. It's a great team. It's a great organization with great people in charge and great, historically great players as the veteran leadership. And they're all coming back. Verlander, back. Jose Altuve, back. Jordan Alvarez, back. Alex Bregman, back. Kyle Tucker, back. Albeit he'll get crushed in our arbitration this offseason as a result of the postseason. But like the guys that are the beating heart of this team are all coming back. You keep them all healthy. You plug a few holes. 
You figure out a couple of things that didn't go so well this year, and you're right back in it again in 2024. Don't get too down. You still got to look at the facts. And the fact is, this is a great team. It's a great organization. Historically great. And the, the way this season unfolded was a fucking nightmare. The fact that we got to the ALCS, the fact that we lost the first two games at home and still pushed it to a Game 7, it was impressive. There is not a lot to feel bad about or hang your head. There's not a lot of reasons to hang your head. It sucks. It's hard. It's brutal. Baseball is a tough sport. Having a team that wins as much as the Astros have gets you even more invested every season and you're you know, looking at the offseason moves. You stay locked in all year long. It's going to hurt a little more. There's no way around that. With great love comes great heartbreak sometimes. But you cannot let what happened last night take away your ability to enjoy the fact that you are in the midst of a dynasty. And that's still what this is. We all wish we were in the World Series. We all do. The players more than any of us as fans, I promise you. But only two teams get to go every year. Only one team from each league. And this year is the Rangers year, and you got to tip your hat and move the fuck on. That's it. That's it. And that will do it for today's show. But remember, every episode of Banging the Can is available on YouTube.com slash at Banging the Can. For those of you who would prefer to watch rather than just listen, obviously the audio is available on podcast platforms. But frankly, even if you don't care to watch, as a thank you, for my service covering this team all season long, wink, wink, I would appreciate it if you'd go to youtube.com slash at banging the can and subscribe to support the show so we can continue to grow. I'll be back here next week to talk about how the uh, Texans game goes against the Carolina Panthers, talk about how the first couple games of the Rockets season unfold. Exciting stuff. We turn the page. We look to the Astros offseason, but we focus on the Texans and Rockets for now. Have some fun with an up-and-coming young Two teams, hopefully, we'll see about the Rockets, but the Texans certainly. YouTube.com slash at banging the can. And on that note, please share the most unapologetic Houston sports show in existence with your friends and family. Support our sponsors. Today's sponsor is MyBookie, code Ross, when you deposit at MyBookie.ag to unlock that deposit bonus. Stipulations apply. Check out my media startup, Bolin Media, at BolinMedia.com. My comedy show, The Ross Bolin Podcast, available wherever you consume banging the can. Follow us on social media. We're on TikTok at Banging the Can, as well as Twitter and Instagram at Banging the Can. I am Ross Bolin. Thank y'all, Astros fans, for riding with me all season long. It was a tough one. <laughs> it was a brutal one. Not the way I thought it was going to go in terms of a lot of different things, especially the health and the play at home and the pitching. Still got pretty goddamn far and had a good time doing it. It hurts in the end, but it won't hurt that long. Let's be real. We have enough to hang our hats on as Astros fans, and I have no doubt we will get more in the future. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at W-R-B-O-L-E-N at W-R-Bolin. I'll be back next week talking Texans, talking Rockets, talking early Astros offseason news. Until next time, H-Town, stay down.